Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John, and we'll find ourselves here in chapter number 3. John, chapter number 3, perhaps one of the most prolific chapters in all of the Bible. It is the chapter from which we have the world's most famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Words fitly spoken to a man steeped in religion as Nicodemus was, needing a Savior, for except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. And it's my concern that we have become so blind and have found ourselves into similar darkness. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10 of chapter 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, that is Nicodemus, Art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and yet, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall, I, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that hath come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Father, we pray that your word would be preeminent today. And Father, we're gathered here this morning because it is our desire that every facet and every aspect of our lives would be placed under the umbrella of scriptural authority. That every thought, every word, every deed, every action would be led by your spirit and guided by the illumination of your word. And Father, I pray that you would now empty me of myself. Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. Guard my heart as well as my tongue, Lord, that I may speak only that which you would have me to say. And Father, if I would be in error today, I pray that you would forbid it by your Holy Spirit's power. Lord, if there's anything that lies between us and you, remove it by the blood of your Son. And Father, speak clearly 
to our individual needs here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we beg you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The most interesting thing to me about this entire chapter is the fact that you had a man in Nicodemus who knew the Bible. No, the New Testament had not been penned and he did not have the privilege of those gospel writers like we do of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He did not have the privilege of seeing the testimony yet, anyway, of the conversion of Saul and the power of the Holy Ghost that came upon the Apostle Paul. He could not open Ephesians or Galatians and compare and contrast and discover the glories of Christ, nor could he go to that magnificent book of Colossians and see that the one whom he is speaking of, Jesus Christ, and the one whom he is meeting face to face is the image of the Godhead bodily and it was from him that all things were created both in heaven and in earth and under the earth. But with the guiding force of scripture you would think that Nicodemus would immediately realize that what was before him was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth, that what was standing before him was the incarnate God in flesh. What was right in front of him was that lion of the tribe of Judah. What was before him was the one to whom Daniel spoke of as the Son of Man in the clouds and in glory, or what David spoke of, or or what the prophet spoke of, but instead he comes to him and he calls him Rabbi, Master. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, but he doesn't give him any other titles. The problem is that even though he had had so much religious experience, the light had not been turned on. I don't really care for stumbling around in the darkness myself. Perhaps that's a hobby of yours. You enjoy uh, going into the woods on an overcast night and about 2 a.m. when there's no light at all. Just enjoy running blindly through the woods. Maybe you do that for kicks. I I'm really not sure. That's not my idea of fun. I don't even like walking down the hallway at night with any light on because there are these wicked devices in our home called Legos. <laughs> And they are the most painful thing that the human foot has ever experienced. I have heard that stepping on a Lego at night unsuspectingly is akin to childbirth. I've never delivered a child, so I really don't know. And you mothers in the room are probably going to drag me out back and beat me to within an inch of my life. I don't like stumbling around the darkness. Not just physical darkness, but I don't like stumbling around in the darkness of decision. So much time in my life is spent with those genuinely desiring to know what God would have them to do. I love that about pastoring people like you. Or at least most of you. 
who have a genuine desire for the things of God, who want to follow the Lord, who want to stand before Him with a clear conscience and and clean hands and holy living, knowing that you have walked in the light as He is in the light. I love pastoring Valley View Baptist Church because so many of you, that is your heartbeat. And as you bring that heartbeat into my office, I am grieved because sometimes I don't have the answer, but I know that the answer is in Christ. But sometimes the darkness is hard to see through. Equally, I enjoy going out into the community and knocking on doors and coming into contact with others who have never seen Christ, don't know Christ. And I see a world that is covered in darkness like a blanket that's been pulled over their eyes that clouds every decision and clouds even the way that they perceive and understand this world. Why? Because you cannot understand this world if you do not know its maker. Darkness. Darkness is a dangerous thing. Oh, but the most glorious experience is when someone comes by and turns the light on. When you're speaking with someone who's never had an encounter with Christ and they realize that they're in sin and they're going to face a holy God and they realize that that same God who is holy and who will exact his judgment and justice and realize that that same God who will bring upon his wrath without flinch or delay also loves you and has sent his son to die for you and when you see that person receive Christ as their Savior and they open their eyes from that prayer of faith and they see the world in a totally different way. I love it when I get to be standing there to see the light get turned on. And I'd like to preach this morning on this thought. Turn the light on. Just turn the light on. We need the light to be turned on in our homes. For we can claim to have a Christian home, but that claim is vain and void if it is not in submission to the light of Jesus Christ and the guidance of his Holy Spirit. We can claim to have a Christian nation, but that is equally vain and void if that nation is not guided by the principles that we see in God's word. We can claim to have a Christian environment or a Christian culture or a Christian workplace, but all those things are empty words if they are not measured by the light of Scripture. We need the light to be turned on. As I look through this passage, I notice that when we come to the conclusion of it, that seems to be the emphasis as Jesus is looking at this man so religious, but yet not understanding so many things. He needed the light to be turned on. He needed to turn on the light first off to identify our deliverer. This is the most important aspect of the light that needs to be shed abroad in our hearts. 
For many of us, we have heard about Jesus and we know about Jesus, but we've never had an encounter with Jesus. The light needs turned on. When we come to Nicodemus, he was blinded by darkness. Here, the light of Jesus Christ was standing right in front of him, but someone needed to turn the light on so that he could identify his deliverer. Because you see, when you roll through the pages of the Bible, you will quickly learn that Jesus is the light. The Bible says in John chapter number one that in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness. The Bible tells us that Jesus is not just the light of men but he is the light of the world in John chapter eight. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. Not only that, but I noticed that in scripture Jesus is described not just as the light of men and the light of the world but as the true light. Oh, this world can be so confusing and so conflicting. If you've got five friends, I can almost guarantee you, you've got five different opinions of what you are supposed to do. You've got five different rights and five different wrongs. You know, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Our problem today is not double-mindedness, it's triple-mindedness. It's quadruple-mindedness. It's whatever you would call having a mind split five different ways. I am telling you, we are so divided and so conflicted over what truth is and, and everyone's trying to turn on their light and their truth when really what we need is God's light, the true light. For John chapter 1 verse number 9 says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world and we need to turn the light on to identify our deliverer. I want you to know that if you are in here under the sound of my voice, watching by live stream, or a hundred years from now, you're listening to this grainy audio recording and you're looking for light, there's only one place to find it, and it's in Jesus Christ. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. Amen. And the rest of you are asleep. <laughs> and see, we know that. We know that. You say, well, Pastor Jared, give me something new. And I get concerned because what we need is not something new. We don't need some new form of worship. We don't need some new name for the church. We don't need to be a connection point or some kind of thing like that. We need to get back to what we know about our God and be reminded that he is the light. Because what I am concerned about is the fact that here we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and we have got the flashlight of his guidance resting in our hands and we're still stumbling around in darkness. I want you to know that he was not just the light of our salvation, but he should be the light of our life. He should be what guides us every day, what gives us strength every moment, what shows us what is right and what describes what is wrong, what convicts our hearts, what turns the light on for us. And here is the fact about it is that in John chapter number three, verse number 19, it says this, it says that that light is come into the world. So why do we keep looking for a light somewhere else? 
You want to know what the Lord would have you to, to do? You need to find Jesus. You know, I found it interesting. We've got uh, so many ladies who have been pregnant and so many babies that have been, been born here recently. Please continue to pray for Travis and Brittany Peters and, and their babies. They're in the unfortunate circumstance that we were once in where they've got two children still admitted to the hospital in the NICU and yet Brittany has been discharged so they can't just stay there at the hospital and that is a grieving thing. Difficult. Pray for them. Pray for Madison and Dawson as those little babies begin and continue to grow and their lungs develop. <coughs> Childbirth is an incredible thing. Didn't mean to minimize it with the Lego thing. Sorry about that. You know, I, I, I remember when uh, my wife was pregnant with, with Emma, we had this book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. That Maybe you've heard of it. I'm not recommending put it on your reading list or anything. I'm just saying that it was somewhat helpful to us. Well, I, I read this in there, and, and, and what it said is that, is that a baby often reacts to light from week 22. What it says in there, they react to light with a, a kick or a wiggle or a turn. And, and, and you can take a, a flashlight and, and put it to a, a mother's stomach. And, and by the way, that is a baby in there, a human life. And when you show that light in there, they react, they kick, they, they wiggle and they turn. And you know, I, got, I got to thinking about that concerning you know, what we read in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, you find this really neat story about these two mothers. One was named Elizabeth, and she was carrying this child named John the Baptist. And uh, then you had this other Mary mother, Mary, <laughs> sorry about that. You had this other mother, whom you may have heard of recently, named Mary. And she was carrying the Lord, Jesus Christ, in her womb. And you probably remember how they, they came together and at the sound of, of Mary's voice that John the Baptist in Elizabeth's stomach in Luke chapter 1 verse 41 says that the babe leaped in her womb. And I've always thought, wow, that's really neat. You know, John the Baptist is in there. He's getting fired up. You know, it's preaching time. You know, the kingdom of God, it's at hand. Repent. You know, and, uh, and I, thought about, I thought about this. You know, the Bible describes Jesus Christ as the light. And I just wonder if John the Baptist got a little glimpse of that light when Mary showed up and started wiggling and turning and, and kicking around. And, and here was the message of John the Baptist. It was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it is here. We are not waiting anymore. It is present here with us with the one that is to come whose, whose shoes, whose sandals I am not worthy to unloose the latch of it. This is Jesus Christ. And as Jesus comes into proximity, of even that baby John, that baby recognizes that the light is come. And if you're here this morning and you're searching for God, you don't have to search any farther because he is here. The Lord Jesus Christ, your deliverer has arrived and the light needs turned on in your heart to identify the fact that it is Jesus. And if you're a believer here and you've been trying some other way to sort through life and, and seeking the counsel of men, which I'm not against, and the counsel of friends, which 
which I'm not against. There is safety in a multitude of counsel. That's Bible. But never let that counsel get between you and Jesus. For that's the light. We need to turn on the light to identify our deliverer. You see, that's why Bible reading is so important. That's why communion with God is so valuable. That's why our prayer life, our, our physical life ought to hinge on our prayer life. But see, we also need to turn on the light, not just to identify our deliverer, but also to illuminate our deeds. To illuminate our deeds. Look with me at verse number 19. The Bible says, and this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Listen to this very carefully. Because their deeds were evil. Because their deeds were evil. At the close of the very next verse, verse number 20, it says, Lest his deeds should be reproved. His deeds. Even in verse number 21, we see in the middle of this verse, I'll begin at the beginning, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest or may be seen or may be shown. And what is it about them that we are looking to see or to be shown? That they are wrought in God. You see, the fact is, we need to turn the light on, not just to identify our deliverer, but also to illuminate our deeds. Can I say this? That some of us, we fear our deeds or our knowledge being illuminated or being exposed, should I say. Because we are so afraid that maybe we are wrong or maybe we have done things that, that are not right. And if we fear light being shed on an issue, there is a prime indication right there that we are in a dangerous place of a dangerous place of delusion, a dangerous place in discernment. We are in a dangerous place anytime we don't want truth shown on a subject. Like we've got something to hide. And that's why I get real concerned uh, whenever uh, someone is afraid to talk to me about an issue. Look, I'm not a scary guy. I promise. Uh, but, but so many people, well, they don't want to talk to the pastor because he'll yell at them. No, I, won't. I only yell when I'm up here. I do. I do. And it's because we put space between the altar and the, and the chairs and we set Pastor Jordan over there to tackle you if you attack me. Right. <laughs> We've got armed men protecting me. <laughs> Why is it that we're so afraid of truth? This is what I love about the Christian faith is we are pursuers of truth. That's why the greatest proponent of archaeology is the believer. That's why we have our, our quest of Christian science. Not Christian science, the religion, but biblical scientific discovery. That's why we are proponents of truth, proponents of study, proponents of knowledge, because it should be the believer's desire to know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Bible says, as Jesus tells us in John 17, 17, he cries to the Father and prays, sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. And we ought to have a desire to put ourselves under the illumination of God's word in every facet of our life. We need to turn the light on. Quit hiding about things you're afraid of. Quit hiding about things you regret. Quit hiding about things you're so concerned that everybody else is going to find out on. Because it is the truth that sets us free. Oh, my friends, if you go to the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, it talks about those who live by their lies. The fact of the matter is that lives can be, lies can be comfortable. We can build this world around us which insulates us and allows us to act and talk and believe whatever we want to believe. But that's not how the life of the believer should be. It should be that we want the light turned on every single issue. All of it. All of it. And nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be afraid of. We shouldn't be afraid of any question that anyone has to ask concerning God's word. You know, I'm, I'm in danger of getting on something to the side here that I am intensely passionate about. I won't chase the rabbit long, but let me just give you a nibble of that. One of the worst things that we have done as a church is create a culture where people can't ask questions. Parents, when your children ask you questions, you don't have to be afraid even if you don't have the answer. I don't have all the answers at my fingertips, but I know who does. And this word is truth. We don't have to be afraid of any question that some atheist or some agnostic or some evolutionist has about the scripture because there is an, an answer that runs through the course of these pages, Genesis through Revelation. The answer can and will be found, but you've got to seek truth. I love questions. You go through the gospels, do you realize that the disciples learned more from Jesus after they asked a question? than they did from just waiting around hoping he'd address the issue. Oh, we ought to have a culture that desires truth. You know the only people that don't desire truth? The one to whom have evil deeds. Verse 21, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest and that they are wrought in God. But on the other side, verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. We've been using the wrong measure stick for truth for far too long. The measure stick of righteousness is Christ. Not culture. And not Christians. It's Christ. Even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 gives warning of making other believers the measure of right and wrong. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Even the Word of God addresses this. You want to find out where righteousness is. Why don't you get under the authority of God and come into communion with the Holy Spirit of God and let the Holy Spirit illuminate the Word in your life. And by the way, unlock all the closets. 
And I'm, I'm going to tell one of my wife, I love her. She does a wonderful job. We invite people in our home and she spends like an entire day cleaning everything. But here's the secret. Now, here it is. I'm just going to tell them, okay? There's two rooms you're never allowed to go in. You're not allowed to go in the garage. You're not allowed to go in our bedroom. And it's not because it's like, oh, that's, you know, these, that's just a private area. It's because that's where we put all the stuff. <laughs> is that okay? I love you. The truth will make us free. <laughs> the problem is, even those that are listening to my voice this morning who say, Pastor Jared, I have come to the light. I want the word of God to pierce my soul and convict me of sin. I want it to lead me in the paths of righteousness. I want it to correct my ways. I want it to instruct me. I want it to reprove me. I want to see the doctrine. I want to see it all, Pastor Jared. You probably still have a closet that's locked somewhere. It's funny how that door sticks. Well, I unlocked it, but you know, I don't think the preacher was really preaching about that. Listen, if you're listening to me right now and your thought is the preacher's not preaching about that, I am. That is exactly what I'm preaching about. Yes, it is. It is that exact thing. You say, well, you don't even know what that thing is. You don't even know what that thing is. Listen, I am not here to tell you what I think. I am here to expose what the Word of God has said. And if you are wondering if I'm preaching about that thing, it is the Holy Spirit of God. Now deal with it. You say, oh, that's kind of harsh, preacher. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be harsh. But God wants better than for us to lock some door or jam it away or have some hidden place where God's not allowed in. Please just turn the light on. Just turn the light on. Quit hiding in darkness. Quit pretending like it's okay to be mediocre. God didn't say, I came to give you life and to give it more mediocrity. No, he said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Quit being held back by the darkness. Oh, God, help us. You see, that light, it illuminates our deeds. I had a whole nother chunk that I wanted to say about this, but I'll, I'll continue on. Not only does it illuminate our deeds, we need to turn the light on so that it can interrogate our desires. Now, there's a word we don't like, interrogation. You picture yourself there sitting in that metal chair, the concrete room, one light dangling above you as these sinister men come in to pull the truth out of you by whatever means necessary. Man, that's even uncomfortable mentioning. <laughs> Interrogation. It's a shame that interrogation ever has to take place it's because truth is sometimes so hard to find, isn't it? Boy, we'd only see that in our political sphere, not trying to get controversial. But look what we see in verse number 19. And this is the condemnation. Isn't it a shame that that phrase even has to be in verse number 19, and this is the condemnation. Here, look at what is said at the verse above. He that believeth on him is not condemned. In other words, hey, there is an answer. Look at the verse before that, verse number 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
Why did Jesus come? Not to condemn, but to bring salvation. So why is it that we have to get down here to verse number 19 and read that phrase, and this is the condemnation? Here's why. Because light has come into the world, and men, notice this phrase, loved darkness rather than light. Concerning those rooms that we lock away. Before that light shines all the way into every hidden corner of that room, why don't you just let it shine on the door and ask the question, why is that thing locked in the first place? You see, a light, it'll interrogate your desires. So I don't, I don't love darkness rather than light. Well... <laughs> How do you reconcile the two having an area in our, in our lives that we don't want conviction, that we don't want correction, that we don't want instruction in righteousness, but instead we are content to keep that door closed? What does that say about the condition of the heart? And might I remind you that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we may have a beautiful perspective concerning ourselves that we just love the Lord and we're serving him. And many of you, that is my perspective of you. I, I think that is your heart's desire, but I am not so ignorant to think that there is not still a battle going on for your soul and a battle going on as you seek to follow God. And what is the solution? What is the answer to that? The light needs turned on. And we need to be honest about our desires. Are we really desiring to follow the Lord or is our greatest desire to avoid conflict? Are we really desiring to follow the Lord or do we cherish our own lifestyle so much that we want both our life and his? May God's word pierce our hearts. May it divide our thoughts. May it illuminate his word and may it find those areas in which we need that correction. We need that instruction. We need that being conformed to his image. Look, I don't want to wake up tomorrow the same distance away that I am from God now. I want to get closer. I want to know him more. I want to come into his presence. I want to be able to come to him in prayer and know that there's nothing between me and him because all has been uh, brought to the light and I have nothing to hide. And here's why it's so vitally important, church. Why does this process need to take place? Because the world is at stake. You know, it's interesting to note in Matthew 5 that Jesus says concerning the church that ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You know, the interesting thing about that city set on a hill, it cannot be hid regardless of if its deeds are evil or if its deeds are good. It's exposed either way. He says in the very next verse, Matthew 5, 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. He says, Let your light so shine before men that, ye, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why is it that we need to be under the authority of God's word in every facet of our life and allow the glorious light of Jesus Christ to invade, to interrogate, um, to illuminate, to do all of the work in our life. Why is that so important? Because that's the will of God. 
And it's his desire to use us. And may God help us not to run. For our desire is discovered in the things we pursue and the things we avoid. What's your desire this morning? I'll be the first to admit that I am not perfect. I am far from it. But I want that light in every corner of my heart. It's so discouraging to me when I, when I knock on a door and, and I'll tell someone about, about Christ and they go on, move on, move on. They don't even want to talk about it. And I'm wondering, when is a good time to talk about eternity? If not right here and right now. And I don't know how the Lord has sought to turn the light on with you this morning. But I pray that if you've never received Christ as your Savior, that today will be the day of your salvation.